Hello? Welcome to Speak Out Convos, where we speak up and speak out against domestic violence. I am your host, Michaela, and as always, thank you for listening. Today, I am joined with a very special guest, a survivor and warrior woman. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Michaela, and thank you um, so much for inviting me. And thank you for the amazing work you do for our community. You're more than welcome. Um, Please go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of tell our audience a little bit about your story. Okay, sure. Um, I'm one of the lucky ones. I get to be alive and tell my story. And far too many of my brothers and sisters can't do that, I'm afraid. I met my abuser back in 1983, and it would take until... 1992 for me to finally leave. He was charming and charismatic and made me feel like I was the most important person in the world. We were a folk duo and for the first few years of our relationship anything that seemed off was just a little bit off or a little bit odd and everything was always followed by kisses and flowers and earrings. And then in 1988 we gave up our home And we moved into our van with my two small children and started playing music across the country. It was supposed to be for the summer of 88. It ended up being four years. And it was really during those years that the abuse escalated. For one, I was isolated. I had no home base. I had no real support network, at least none that I could identify at the time. And I finally, finally, found the courage to leave in 92 Um, and I thought that was the end of my story but in 97 my abuser sued me for custody of our son and he lost well he didn't really lose he basically said if you stop telling people anything about me and don't talk about me you can have complete custody so you could say he bartered Uh, custody of his child for my silence and I was only too happy to comply and we'll have to fast forward several years to 2014 when in completely unrelated circumstances he was arrested for possession of child pornography while living in New Orleans I was contacted through various people from a shared spiritual community And I spoke up for the community and said, oh dear, this has probably been going on for the last 22 years. Um, I'm here if you need to talk to somebody. I can offer you a shoulder. I can offer you resources. I can offer you healing. And I got sued for defamation of character for calling a pedophile an abuser. Let that sink in. It took three years to finally come to the court convicted on all counts and sentenced to 20 years in prison and maybe I shouldn't say this with a smile on my face but a few weeks ago he passed away from pancreatic cancer while he was still incarcerated for the 10 or so years that I was with him I was told every day you're fat you're ugly you're stupid Michaela I am overweight I am not ugly And my PhD says, I am not stupid. (laughs) But I still hear the tapes. (laughs) And it's still a struggle. 
every day. It's still a struggle somewhere. But I think yes, domestic violence does have residual effects. Um, I, I was physically abused as well as mentally, mm-hmm. um, and me- mental abuse is just as bad as physical. Yes. Because you know we have to build up our self esteem again. We have to build up our sense of self worth. We have mm-hmm. to, because our narcissistical partner broke us down so much. You know we have to rebuild ourselves. So I, I'm I'm so grateful that you know you want to use your voice and your story to inspire and help others. And um, I want you to know you are worthy of good things and you are beautiful. Um, and, and don't let anyone tell you different. Um, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. It's true. The trauma is so bizarre because when you find, you know, when I finally left, I I think I had a sense of, okay, that's over. I don't have to deal with it anymore. And even though I was able to get into therapy and I got my two children into therapy so that we could begin the process back to self, I think I still suppressed a lot, you know, because I had two children and I'd been an itinerant folk musician for so many I had to get a job in an office. I had to take two small children that were being home educated and put them into a public school system where they knew absolutely no one and cross my fingers and hope that it all worked out. So I didn't have time to deal with the trauma. It really wasn't until his arrest that everything came bubbling up again. And my therapist has helped me understand that I can know logically that this isn't happening now, but my trauma brain still reacts to the triggers as though they were in the moment when they happened. And that's something that I believe every survivor struggles with. And it's so invisible to somebody that hasn't been through it. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've had people say, oh, come on, isn't it time that you got over that? Yes, I did. Yep. And we don't. We don't get over it. We, we learn to say to ourselves, these scars, they tell my story, but they will not define who I am. When I left him, I was a college dropout. Now I'm a college professor you can reinvent yourself. That's incredible. That's truly incredible and very inspiring. I know you're going to help so many people that are listening today. Um, Can you kind of tell our audience a little bit about some goals that you might have as far as doing work to prevent domestic violence? whether it be, you know, a book or you writing or a blog, um, kind of tell our audience some things that you want to do to help other survivors and victims of domestic violence. Absolutely. I do blog, um, more vlogging. I I like to do it on video. Um, And it's uh, lavender tea, all one word, dot, Sipora K, and my name is a bear to spell. It's T Z I P O R A dot com. So lavender tea dot com. And I vlog when I can um, and try to share my story there. And my, my whole goal is if I can say something that gives one person 
just a little bit more courage to find their path back to themselves and their own sense of freedom and independence just one person in my entire life i will have done a lot and my goal right now is to continue vlogging i have um a facebook group lavender tea group um where i post i actually cross post a lot from butterfly effect thank you very much michaela um to <laughs> try welcome. to reach a different audience um and that goes up on my instagram as well and i i just i'm trying to reach out to people in gentle ways and to just talk my my real thing is just talking to somebody i have a lot of resources i've traveled the entire country i have contacts in almost all 50 states and over in europe that can help network somebody who's looking for help and i'm thrilled anytime i get to do that to help somebody move to a sense of freedom that's what i work with yeah and the um Arizona Coalition for uh, Sexual Exploitation and Domestic Violence has a group called Share. I'm part of their public speaking group. Um I just did a session on helping people who are becoming advocates for victims of sexual exploitation. I was one of the speakers for that. I'll be doing one hopefully again in September and I'll also be speaking um again locally here in the Phoenix region where I am about people that are a little bit older going through abuse because while I wasn't physically abused later on in life after I'd left him I was certainly mentally and financially abused during that whole trial period so there are a lot of moving pieces to the work that I'm doing I'd love to write a book if only I had a 36 hour day so I could sleep a few more hours <laughs> but maybe the vlog will become a book I don't know Well that's wonderful that's amazing. Um I think that you know anybody who does any type of outreach work or speaking up and speaking out against domestic violence is a beautiful thing because there's so many people suffering at the hands of their perpetrators in silence um and not everybody has a voice to speak out um and that's one of the reasons why I created a podcast called Speak Out Convos because I wanted to give people from all angles and perspectives of domestic violence whether it's survivors, paralegals, police officers, anybody that's directly related with domestic violence, I wanted to give them a platform to be able to share their story and use their voice. Um I feel like silence does not create change. Um and we have to have these tough conversations about domestic violence and different topics surrounding it so that we can create change. Um Can you kind of tell some people who might be listening what are kind of some coping skills or mechanisms that worked for you and helped you kind of get through those um awful sure. times? First I'll share the really unhealthy one. Mm-hmm. Um I gained a lot of weight. I'm only barely 5 feet tall and I was north of 225. That's what I'll admit to. Mhm. That's a lot of weight on somebody of my small size, height-wise. Um I used to joke about it and say, "Yeah, I'm 5 feet tall all around." But that was one of my coping mechanisms while I was being abused because you know what? When you're fat and you get smacked, it doesn't hurt as much. 
Mm-hmm. That may sound weird, but that was one of them. Um, and then after I left him, people would joke because I lost a lot of weight after that, and I've yo-yoed like most of us do in our later adult years. But now I'm I'm pretty happy with how I look. My my number one coping mechanism has always been some kind of mindfulness meditation. Um, I have learned through 40 plus years of meditative work that if I can just sit quietly, even for three minutes and breathe, I can remind myself everything has a beginning, everything has an ending. What do, you, what do I see? What do I smell? What do I feel? What do I hear? And just feeling grounded again really, really seemed to help me a lot. I found support networks. Um, when I first left my abuser, I was back in Pennsylvania. I found a women's shelter there that offered um, peer-to-peer counseling and group, group sessions that I would go to. And, you know, it's so funny that you ask, like, what do I do to cope? I don't know. Right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I bake um, because my ghosts are still real. <laughs> His passing only a few weeks ago threw me for a complete loop and it brought back all of the trauma again. And it begins to, now I wonder, you know, okay, he's dead. Now what? What could possibly trigger me? But I also know I could be triggered because a leaf blows across me the wrong way and it reminds me of the way he touched me. Um, and that's real and it's valid. And when that happens, that's when I try to stop and take a few breaths. That's when I try to stop and remind myself, how far have I really come? You know, I still have the letter I wrote to myself before I finished my doctorate, where I was congratulating myself on actually seeing it through. And I ended that letter by saying, remember always, you are not fat, you are not ugly, and you are not stupid, Dr. Katz. You've got this. That helps. Having children that went through this with me and we all still live together because the trauma is real um, really helps. You know, I, I've, I often said when they were little, if you do parenting right, you can end up raising your best friend. I'm lucky. I did it twice. I have great kids. They're fabulous support. Um, and just, you know, doing things like this is actually very healing speaking to people and always with the intention of let me help let me do something to help you if my story can inspire you if i can do it i know you can do it i'm not a superwoman i'm a warrior i will fight but i'm not wonder woman and i don't have supernatural powers if I did, we wouldn't be having this conversation because I would have magically gotten rid of all the abusers of the world. <laughs> yes. And I do. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to have these conversations? Oh, it would It would be absolutely wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. But that isn't. Yeah. It's not the real world. And then I get to meet amazing people. I have yet to meet a survivor. Um and it's been 27 years, I think, since the last time I was struck in violence. I have yet to meet anyone that I haven't had an immediate visceral connection with and a deep understanding and recognition of, oh yes, I do understand. And we help each other. 
we help each other in silly ways. We help each other in intangible ways by helping you know people pack and move to a different place, or just having a conversation at two in the morning because somebody had a bad dream and they needed to just talk to somebody that understood. That's kind of how I cope. I guess I help cope the best by helping. Your problems are far more interesting than mine. I assure you. <laughs> Well, that's amazing. That's really amazing that you have a heart that wants to help other people. Um, I think that we need more people in the world like me and you that are willing mm-hmm. to help. Um, when I was going through my domestic violence situation, not only did I feel violated by my abuser, but I felt disposable to the world. Um, after yes. my domestic violence situation, I was released to the streets and I was homeless, sleeping on park mm-hmm. benches in the middle of winter, not knowing when I was going to eat. And that's kind of, you know, what inspired me to create the butterfly effect because it makes me wonder how many other men and women all across the world are suffering right now as we're doing this podcast. Um, so I think that it's amazing that we are shedding our light um, and our strength and sharing our testimony with others because we never know who's listening. And just like you said, you know, if we can help one person, we've already made our goal of making a difference and kind of changing the world. So um, I I definitely commend you for having the strength to talk about what you've gone through and having the courage to keep pushing forward and fighting um, to become a better you. So um, well, the alternative is grim, right? Yes, it's it's it is very grim. <laughs> we can either you know fight another day or we can fold. And if I fold and I crumble, then he wins. And I am not letting that happen. I fought tooth and nail to get to where I am in this world. He doesn't have that power anymore. He may have the power to derail me for a day or even a few days, but he doesn't have the power to derail my life. And that's a big difference. That's a huge step forward, I think, you know, um, in how I think and how I view everything. The next question that I have for you is, a lot of times mental health and domestic violence are directly related. Um, has your mental, did your mental health kind of deteriorate through your domestic violence situation? Um, mm-hmm. Did What are some oh. things that, like for me, you know, I suffered from depression, post-traumatic stress, um, anxiety. And I like to talk mm-hmm. a lot about how domestic violence is directly related to mental health because a lot of people don't understand um, that the two are associated. Oh, yes. Um, While I was being abused, one of the really negative coping mechanisms, now that you ask that question, it it comes front and center. I I had no control in my own life, right? I was living in a van. We didn't have cell phones back then, right? Um, I had no support. So I grabbed control of anything or anyone that I could because I was compensating. And I understand that a lot of us do that. Um, I mean, I didn't 
do anything horrible to my children. I just put that out there. I didn't like to use my kids in any way, shape, or form, but I was mean. I was not a nice person. Um, and over the years and after many, many years of therapy, I've come to realize, yeah, okay, that, that was a coping mechanism. That was kind of a displacement. I still suffer from CPTSD. I go in and out of bouts of depression. The pandemic is not helping because for me, this is a trigger of when I was living on the road and didn't have my own home and I couldn't go out because he took the van that day. And now I'm stuck in a stranger's house with two small children and nowhere to go. And even if I could go someplace, I had no idea where I could go safely with them and no real money to speak of. So this pandemic has kind of helped, has made me relive a piece of that part of my abuse. Um, it's, it's such a, it's a bizarre thing with the mental health because there are points in your life, you know, where you feel like, no, I've got this. I'm okay. I'm okay. And then you see a commercial on TV and all of a sudden you're sitting there crying for 45 minutes and you don't even remember why. I had a lot of disassociative episodes. I was lucky when I left him because I had friends that gave me a roof over my head and a place for my children to be. And my father, rest his soul, helped me financially so that I could eventually move into a space. And, and I worked, I tried so hard, you know, to find a job that I could be good at and eventually went back to school and, you know, got where I am now. But it was an uphill battle. It was an uphill battle every step of the way. And I still have depression issues. I have anxiety issues. If somebody comes up and taps me on the shoulder from behind, I jump. I jump at loud noises and I don't like surprises of any kind. <laughs> they, those become triggering. And because we played music together, it took something like five or six years before I could listen to any of the music I either played, performed professionally, or things that were influencers. So I couldn't listen to any form of folk music for many years because we were folk musicians. Um, fortunately, I love classical music, so that kind of filled the void for a while. But to this day, I will not sing in public. I will sing in my shower, and I will sing in my car, and I'll sing to my dog. That's it. Okay. So it had weird, mm -hmm. weird ways of manifesting. Yes, and I, and I can completely understand that. Um, I'm I'm glad that you are using some positive coping skills now to kind of help you work through some of that trauma. Um, I know that the healing process is very difficult. Um, a lot of people come to me and ask me and say, you know, it's been five years and I'm still not over it. And there's no time limit on healing. Mm -hmm. um, some days it is going to be messy. Um, some days it is yeah. going to be hard and rough. Other days it, it might be better. Um, it's kind of like grieving the loss of somebody who died we have to go exactly. through that grieving process because at one point or another there was something that made us love our abuser and so we have to grieve that relationship and a lot of people yes. you know don't really understand that they kind of think that when they leave their abuser the work is over but really the work is just beginning um, it really is. That's so true. Yes. And I'm glad that you said that we loved our abusers because I don't think anybody goes into a relationship or a marriage um, 
and thinks to themselves, oh, this is great. I can't wait till they start smacking me around and telling me how horrible I am. I just can't wait for that abuse. That's not how we go into a relationship. Um, so it's very true when, when the relationship, you leave the abuser, you do mourn. You mourn the person that you believed existed. And you mourn, I think, a part of yourself that believed that, that naive, wide-eyed, I'm in love, stardust in my eyes part of yourself also deserves a few moments of, of your mourning. It, I don't think it ever goes away. I really don't. I don't think grief ever really truly leaves us. I don't think it ever gets easier. I think what happens is it gets different. As time passes, we we come back to this point on the calendar. Maybe it's the anniversary we got married or the anniversary of when we left them or whatever it might be, you know, that, that brings up those memories. And each year it's different. And at some point, I do believe it stops hurting the way it did in the moment. And you start to kind of look at it as that was a really bad movie. I used to joke and say, you know, my story is so strange of everything. And I'm sure every abuser feels this, you know, Vicks, um, so I'm sorry, survivor feels this way about their story of abuse is, wow, this story is so bizarre, even HBO wouldn't touch it, you know? Um, <laughs> because it is, it's a very long drama. Mm -hmm. But over time, it just gets different. And with those differences, we have layers of understanding and we've learned different ways to cope with them, either consciously or just because we've lived through it. It's been a year. I'm still here. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. Good job, me. And then you move on. You're 100% right about that. Um, thank you for sharing your thoughts and your insight. Um, before we close, is there anything that you would like to tell our audience that's listening? Any advice? Um, anything that you just might want to say to to a survivor that, that may be listening? Something that could possibly help them? I hope this helped somebody because it certainly has helped me and it's something I share with survivors and it's something I share with my students. We are the sum total of our past and we are the promise of our future. What promise will you make to yourself today? That's beautiful. That really Thank is beautiful you. and inspiring. Um, and again, thank you, thank you so, so much um, for coming on and sharing your truth um, and sharing your testimony. I know deep down in my heart, you're going to help so many people um, with this segment thank today. You, so thank you. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for opening this platform for my voice. And together we will pray that we don't have to keep doing this for much longer. Yes. Amen. Um, as always, amen. I want to thank my audience for listening. I like to end Speak Out Convos with the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 1-800-799-7233. It's a free 24-7 confidential hotline. Please know you are not alone. Thank you all for listening, and I'll be tuning in to talk to you guys more next time.